In our culture of convenience, the hard road of perseverance has given way to the easy path of simply quitting. Is perseverance dead? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah says not only must Christians keep perseverance alive, we must make it a priority in our lives. And he provides a biblical formula for doing just that. With the conclusion of his message, Relentless Determination, here's David. I remember growing up, we used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. We sing it some even now, but not as often as we used to. And I remember when I was studying this lesson, I couldn't help but sing it this way. I have determined to follow Jesus. Determination is the key. And you know, to become a Christian, you have to make a decision. You have to determine to follow Jesus. And when you become a Christian, you have to decide to live for him every day. You have to make the decision that he will be the center of your life and that you will never do anything to bring reproach upon his name. I hope that's your goal. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Relentless determination, pursuing the Christian life with abandon. We can do this in the power of Christ. And I hope you'll join me as we study it in just a moment. Friends, we have a study guide for this series. It's beautiful. It was redesigned for this particular airing, and it's Eight Essential Steps to a Life of Confidence in the Promises of God. You can get the study guide, and you can get a set of CDs that carry all of the audio teaching. You can get all of that from davidjeremiah.org. Please go there to our website and find all the information you need. And don't forget, we're halfway through the month, and so uh, I've already told you half as many times as I'm going to tell you that this beautiful book by Rob Morgan is yours for a gift of any size during the month of February, The Mediterranean Sea Rules. It's a, a wonderful reminder that if you trust God, He will be with you. Here are 10 God-given strategies for navigating life's tempestuous seas. God helped Paul navigate the storm. He wants to help you through your storms as well. This book will tell you all about it, and it's yours when you send a gift to Turning Point in February and ask for your copy. Here is Relentless Determination, Part 2. So how do you pursue perseverance? How do you do that? How do we, from this point on, we know what perseverance is. It's staying the course when you want to quit. It's hanging in there when the going gets tough. It's not quitting when you feel like you want to give up. Well, how do you teach yourself those lessons? How to become more of a person who has perseverance? Let me just give you some practical things that I thought about that, that might add some hope and help to our lives today. First of all, put your problems in perspective. Learn to put your problems in perspectives. The Bible tells us we're to look at our problems today in light of eternity. In 2 Corinthians, Paul has a little memoir about a difficult ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul lists all the stuff he went through. I got to tell you, it's an awful list of shipwrecks and beatings and everything. During the time that I was sick, back some years ago, I got all kinds of cards. Some of my friends sent me cards that were supposed to be get well cards, but they were kind of mean, some of them, you know. They, I don't know where they find these cards, and I'd look at them, I'd laugh, and of course, when you laugh, that's good medicine. But I'll never forget this one. I was uh, coming off of some surgery at the Mayo Clinic, and I was laying in the bed, my wife brought me some cards, and one of the top cards was, on the front cover of this card, was a scripture that I had remembered reading 
But for the life of me, I could not figure out why somebody would send me a card like this. So in this card, Paul is talking about all the things that have gone wrong in his life, the places he's been suffering, the places he's been shipwrecked. He says, 39 times I was beaten with a, this whole long list, and it's all on the front of the card. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, who sent me this sick card? <laughs> what kind of a cruel thing is it is? Somebody's suffering, and you send them a list of everything that happened to Paul. That, that really, and I got this, this from a quote-unquote friend. <laughs> and then I opened it up. You know what it said on the inside? So how you doing? That's what the card said. And it was a great card because he made me realize that next to Paul, I hadn't got anything to complain about, right? Don't be complaining. Don't be trying to throw in the towel. You ain't nothing compared to Paul. And isn't that the way it is? When we weigh the outcome of what God is doing in our life against the thing he wants to produce in us, when we see our problems in perspective, listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed every day. For our light affliction, he calls our problems light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul said if we could see what we're going through in light of eternity, it would help us really have a little different perspective on things. In a similar passage in Romans, he repeats the point. He said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. When you weigh the outcome against the cost of your perseverance, not only does perseverance become your first response, it comes to you more easily. You realize, yes, I'm going through some stuff right now, but in light of what God has planned for me for eternity... This ain't nothing. This ain't nothing. Put your problems in perspective. Then here's one of the great lessons I've learned in my life. I hope you've learned this, and if you haven't, grab hold of it today. Put your problems in perspective and just tackle today. In light of that, your job is to keep putting one foot in front of another. Tackle one step at a time. When God appointed Joshua as leader of the Israelites and gave him responsibility for leading them across the river Jordan to conquer the promised land, this is what he told them. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. In other words, you walk through the land, I'm going to trust you to do every place you put your foot, I'm going to give that to you. You've got to take it one step at a time. You've got to take it one foot at a time. In other words, you can't make any progress unless you go forward one step at a time. But every single step is a step toward ultimate victory. You don't have to conquer your whole problem at once. You don't need to accomplish your life's work in one day. God's plan is step by step, and we have to take life day by day. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, listen, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. If I could say any one thing to people who are going through stuff right now, you're in the middle of something that's really, how do I keep going? You can't keep going one month at a time or one week at a time, sometimes not even one day at a time, but daytime 
day periods are more easily managed than any other period. Did you know that in the Bible, the day doesn't start in the morning, it starts in the evening. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Something to say about that, because you prepare for the next day the night before, don't you? Begin tomorrow by praying today. But here's what you have to understand. When you're going through things, you're persevering. You can't persevere in big chunks. You have to persevere in small compartments. Dr. William Osler, who was one of the founders of John Hopkins Hospital, had a little thing he called living in daytight compartments. He said, I've battled cancer and I've had many other problems in my life. But I want to tell you from my heart that if you're going to take a difficult personal trial, you have to do it one day at a time. Basically what he said was, close the door to yesterday and don't open it. And close the door to tomorrow and don't try to open that one. Just live today. You can only do this. You can only get through this one day at a time. Ask God to give you the grace for today. In the morning, tell him, you don't know if you can make it all the way, but you're going to trust him for today. And try not to think about what happened yesterday and don't get down the road too far tomorrow. Because if you borrow the trouble from tomorrow and you worry about it, now you've got to pay twice. You've got to pay for all the things you lost by worrying about it, and then it's going to happen. So don't do that. Learn to live in daytight compartments. That's how perseverance functions best. When you have cancer, don't wonder what will happen if this doesn't work or that doesn't work. Give yourself totally to whatever therapy you're working on and get through that day. God has promised you that he will give you the grace you need for one day. But he's not going to give you a monthly grace. not going to give you weekly grace. He'll give you hourly grace and daily grace. And that's what you have to count on or you won't make it. If you try to handle the whole thing at once, you will be defeated by it because it's bigger than you are. Just tackle today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Put one foot in front of the other and the Lord will be with you and he'll give you every place where the sole of your foot touches the ground. He will open up the future for you if you just take it one day at a time. That's how you persevere. Put your problems in perspective. Just tackle today. Surround yourself with encouragers. Did you know that in the Bible, in the New Testament, the term one another is found 80 times in the New Testament? One another. Why is that? Because God never intended us to do this thing alone. God never intended us to do solo. He intended us to be surrounded by people that will help us because someday they will need our help. If you're going to get through a prolonged struggle, you've got to have some positive supporters to cheer you on, to pray for you and brighten the corner where you are. The credo of the modern age is, I don't need anybody. I can stand alone. I have within myself everything I need. I'm going to make it in this world. I don't need nobody. I got myself. But that isn't true. Never has been true. As Christians, we need each other. And God has so wonderfully provided for us, first of all, in the family, and then in the larger family, which is the body of Christ. Surround yourself with positive people. Listen to what Solomon wrote. You know this text. 
Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. In other words, don't be a loner. Get people to help you. And you know what? The people that really love you are just looking for a way to encourage you and strengthen you when you're going through a tough thing. Here's number four. Put your problems in perspective. Just tackle today. Surround yourself with encouragers. Number four, know when to take a break. Know when to take a break. Persevering doesn't mean you never rest. Don't use my friend who ran the race all night as your illustration. (laughs) And you know, Jesus is a good example. He took periods of rest during his mission on earth. If you study his life, he rested on the seventh day after creating the world. To rest is one of his commandments. Did you know that? Six days you shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest. Rest is a principle built into creation. And once in a while when you're going through something, I don't know what it is, but let's suppose it's something you and your wife are going through, and it's just overwhelming, and just every day, every day, once in a while you have to give yourself a break. You have to leave everything where it is. Get somebody to come and take care of the dogs and the cats and whatever else is left at home. Get in your car, drive someplace where nobody knows where you are, and get away from it and try to give yourself a little rest. I love what Anne Lamott said. She said, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few moments, including you. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's true. I don't know anything about electronics, but I just, whenever it doesn't work, I just unplug it because it seems like that makes it better. Unplug it and plug it back in and it reboots and there you go again. But sometimes we have to do that ourselves. Rest is not a lapse in perseverance. Rest is stopping to take stock, reorganize, regroup, turns your conscious mind off and enables you to refocus and see the problem from a new angle. I love what David said in Psalm 3. He said, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Despite enemies assailing him, David rested, unafraid, knowing that God was his strength and his protection. So, here's the fifth thing. Cultivate positivity along the way. You know what? I hang out with a lot of different people. A lot of them are Christians, and some of them aren't. I have a little place I go to three times a week, sometimes more than that. It's about 50 miles from my home, and it's a gym. It's a gym where I work out, and the trainer there is a really good friend of mine. I don't know how they have pulled this off, but that place is the most positive place you could ever go. When you walk in the door, everybody greets you. When you walk in the door, this is what happens when I walk in the door. Hey, Dr. J's in the house. We're going to get better today. We're going to get better today. And everybody (laughs) cheers, and they slap your back and tell you how thankful they are that you came, and they encourage one another. And, you know, the leader of this group is a Christian, but I often think 
That's what the church should be like. You know, the Bible says when you go to church, you're to go with a word of encouragement. Amen? So when you go to church, somebody ought to be saying to you, Hey, John's in the house. We're going to get better today. (laughs) We're going to get better today. And then he's slapping your back, shaking your hand, asking you how you're doing, reminding you that he cares. We're never alone. Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And as believers, we ought to be people who are positive. I mean, sometimes you've got to be negative because negativity is a part of life. But listen to me. You don't have to try to be negative. That comes naturally. You have to really work hard to be positive sometimes. Isn't that true? Our minds are so wired that when something happens, we're more apt to take the negative attitude about it. But we need to cycle back and say, if we believe God is good, and we do, God has something in store for us if we'll just take stock of it. And then let me just add this last thought. Refuse to quit. That's what perseverance is. Don't quit. What if you just refuse to quit? What if the theme of your life is... I don't care what happens. I'm not quitting. In Hebrews, that's kind of what was going on in the whole book. There were a lot of Christians who got the writings. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, we don't know. But whoever it was, wrote this book to a bunch of people who had come out of Judaism. And they had become Christians. And life had become very tough for them because they were being persecuted for their faith. And some of these believers were thinking, you know, maybe I should just go back and be what I used to be. Maybe I should just go back and forget all this Christian business. And the writer of Hebrews wrote his book to these believers who were scattered all around. And he wrote the book as a book of motivational encouragement. And he says in Hebrews chapter 10, this is one of the passages, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Over and over in the book of Hebrews, there's this little phrase, let us go on. Let us go on. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing what God has called us to do. And if we do that, we will persevere. Hiking the Appalachian Trail has become the lifetime dream of many people. But the 2,000 plus rugged miles are hard to tackle in one summer. Most through hikers who set out from Georgia to head toward Maine, never finish, sometimes because of injuries. But I read about this girl named Jennifer Farr Davis who made that journey three times. After her first hike, she started a hiking company, and she met and married Brew, who was in the hiking industry, and the two hiked together. Jennifer began wondering if she could establish the woman's record for the hike, So she started out to do it, but things got really tough. She suffered shin splints, hypothermia, a major illness, and with two weeks, she told her husband she wanted to quit. If you really want to quit, that's fine, he said, but you can't quit now. He told her to eat, rest, take medicine, complete at least one more day, and by the end of the next day, Jennifer had regained her strength and she was ready to press on till she made it all the way. In other words, he said, honey, if you want to quit, you can't quit today. This is Monday. You can't quit till Wednesday. 
If you want to quit, you can quit Wednesday, but you can't quit today. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that a really interesting thought? Because oftentimes, if we want to quit, when we do, we think back and wish we hadn't. And we realize if we'd just given ourselves a little more time, we would have gotten re-energized and kept going. So let me just tell you this. Friday is official Christian quitting day. You cannot quit on any day but Friday. From now on, the rest of your life. I don't care if it's Sunday. You can't quit till Friday. And if you get to Friday and you still think you can't make it, then maybe you can think about quitting. What he was saying was this. Quitting can be an impulse, but it should never be a lifestyle. One of the most inspiring things we can do, men and women, is to learn how to be perseverers. Learn how to stay the course and to say, I'm never going to quit no matter what. Here's what I've learned. If God wants you to quit, he can quit you. (laughs) Isn't that true? If God wants you to quit, he can quit you. But that's the way I feel. Let him do the quitting. I'm going to keep going. By the grace of God, if we just get a few more people to persevere in our culture, For the things that are good and godly and right, we could turn this world upside down. It seems like to me, just when some people are getting their knowledge, just when they know what to do, just when they're ready to make a difference, they quit. Please don't tell any of my friends that I'm saying this, but a lot of the guys I started out in the ministry, they left the ministry 15 years ago. And you know what? I know them. I see them all over the place. You know what I know about them? They're totally unhappy. They don't know what to do with themselves. I don't know where we got this quitting stuff from. I don't find any place in the Bible that says when you get to be 62, you got to quit. It isn't in the Bible. And here's the problem. By the time you get 62, you've learned most of the stuff you need to learn to be successful. So why would you quit then? I mean, why would you quit then? Why would you? I don't get it. Some of the young guys on my staff ask me these questions, and I think, golly, you don't know that? Man, I learned that 30 years ago. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take care of your body and do the stuff you should do, and if it's time for you to retire, retire. Most Christians I know don't really retire. They just reboot their lives and go do something else that they love doing. The problem that I have is, I love what I'm doing to start with. I don't have any, I can't think of anything I'd rather do than what I do. <laughs> and I, I know this is sometimes hard for my wife to hear, but I'll tell you what, she's so supportive and such a blessing to me. We're so blessed as a couple to do what we love to do. You know, the Bible says there's only two things eternal. One is the soul of a man or a woman, and the other is the word of God. And every day of my life, I get to get up in the morning and concentrate on the only two things that are going to be here forever. God's Word and God's people. And what a blessing that is. Amen. Amen. I have a friend in New York City who is trusting God to help him win a billion souls to Christ before he dies. To take a billion people to heaven. What an audacious goal, and yet he's on his way, and I've committed to help him. I hope you will, too. The gospel of Jesus Christ can be sent to the world with a little personal determination on our part to make it happen. God is willing and able 
to help us with the Great Commission. Friends, it's Friday. It's time to get your little church lesson. If you haven't been going to church, here I am to provoke you to do the right thing. Go to church this weekend. It's very important that you attend church. Churches have not recovered from COVID. Most of them I know are still trying to find the people that stopped coming when COVID happened. If you're one of those people, get found this week. Church is critical. Your pastor needs you. Your church needs you. You can't be a church member and a follower of Christ in the church by staying home. We're called to gather together, and that means congregations. I hope you'll do that. And in the meantime, I'll see you back here on Monday as we continue our study of everything you need. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We love hearing how God uses Turning Point. So please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Mediterranean Sea Rules. It offers biblical tools for navigating life's storms, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in the App Store for Turning Point Ministries to access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Everything You Need, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Focus your heart on the hope of the resurrection with Dr. David Jeremiah's classic book called Season of Hope, a celebration of Easter. You'll receive this timeless work when you make a donation of any amount to Turning Point. And when you give $100 or more, you'll receive a special four-pack so you can share Season of Hope with friends who need encouragement. Request your books and learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. A new worker showed up for his first day on the job and was told by one of his co-workers, don't stand around doing nothing. People will think you're the boss. Now, I don't know where the idea that workers work and bosses don't got started, but it wasn't in the Bible. In fact, the two most important figures in the New Testament, Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul, were hands-on leaders, servant leaders, if you will. They set the example for others to follow when it came to leading by working. 
No one paid a higher price for what they believed than these two, and many others just like them. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God leads on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.